Hey guys, I'm your host, Shasha Rosario, and I just wanted to put some disclaimers out there. Number one, this is going to be a part series with part one coming out on October 31st and part two coming out on November 1st. The second disclaimer is that at the time of this recording, there was a lot of cheer movement in the background. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello guys and welcome back to the second episode of the Mystery and Wine podcast where we talk about crazy stuff. We're here with Zyanna. Zyanna <laughs> Smith. Yeah. I'm so excited to have you as a guest on today's show. Thank you. And let's get started. Okay. So like always every episode is going to have three segments, two segments where we uh, that's going to be chosen by the wheel and one segment where we talk about the main story. So to start us off, we'd be talking about our first segment. In the first segment, we're going to be talking about a murder story, and the murder story is called Get Rid of Jeffrey Dahmer for Good. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes, it is. So this is how it goes. Jeffrey Dahmer, an American serial killer and a sex offender, was born on May 21st, 1960, between the years of 1978 and 1991. Dahmer murdered 17 males in truly horrific fashion. Rape, dismemberment, and cannibalism were all parts of the mocus operandi. Do you know about Jeffrey Dahmer? Mm, I heard about it, but didn't really look into it yet. So, Mm. have you seen a lot of it on like on TikTok? Okay. So this is his story. By most accounts, Dahmer had a normal childhood. However, he became withdrawn and uncommunicated as he got older. He began showing little to no interest in hobbies and social interactions as he entered obsolences, turning instead to examining animal carcasses and heavily drinking for entertainment. His drinking continued throughout high school, but did not stop him from graduating in 1978. It was just three weeks later that that the 18-year-old committed his first murder. Due to his parents' unfolding divorce that summer, Jeffrey was left in the family home alone. He seized the opportunity to act on the dark thoughts that had been growing in his mind. He picked up a hitchhiker named Stephen Hicks and offered to take him back to his father's house to drink beer. But when Hicks decided to leave, Dahmer hit him in the back of his head with a 10-pound dumbbell. funny <laughs> Dahmer then dissected dissolved and pulverized and scattered the now impeccable remains through his backyard so this man freaking burned him and then spread his ashes in his backyard where where was the people that lived with him like did they just like not care and the and okay he said, and later admitted to killing him simply because he wanted Hicks to stay. So I'm, I'm assuming that the way this is working is that he had a crush on him, right? Yeah. So he wanted to bring him to his house, but then he didn't want to because you know he was frightened by Jeffrey Dahmer. So what he did is that he just put them in his backyard because he wanted to have him for the rest of his life. Yeah, I feel like he had like an obsession. 
you know, with like he didn't want people to leave him. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. like as I'm hearing so far, he... that that that's always was his excuse for killing people. He always wanted them to be. He always wanted the people to be with them. Yeah. So he's like lonely. <laughs> Jeffrey's a lonely guy. Okay. He's wanted somebody there him. for him. Nine years would pass before he killed again. Damra attended college that fall, but dropped out due to his alcoholism. After that, his father forced him. His father forced him to enlist in the army, where he served as a combat medic in Germany from 1979 to 1981. However, he never kicked the habit and was dis- discharged that spring, moving back home to Ohio because of his drinking. After his drinking continued to cause problems, his father sent him to live with his grandmother in West Alice, Wisconsin. By 1985, he was frequently gay. He was frequently gay bathhouses where he would drug men, rape them, and then lay them unconsciously. Although he was arrested twice for incidents of indecent exposure in 1982 and in 1986, he only faced probation and was not charged for the rapes. Wait, what? So he raped some men, but he didn't go to jail for it. He only got probation. I think it was messed up, yeah. That was messed up. So, Stephen Tomey was his second victim, killed in September of eighteen of nineteen eighty-seven. Dahmer picked him up from a bar and took him back to a hotel room, where he woke up the next morning to Tomey's beaten dead body. He later stated that he had no memory of actually murdering Tomey implying that he had committed the crime on some sort of blackout blackout impulse. He continued to lure uninspected men from bars or uh, prostitute um, buildings, who then drugged, raped, and strangled. At this point, Dahmer also began carrying out particular distinguished upping acts with their corpses, which is like their body, mm-hmm. uh, continuing to use their body for intercourse, sex, taking photographs of the dismemberment process, preserving with scientific precisions his victim's skulls and genitals for display. So he kept the skulls and their private parts, and then he put them, like, in a case for display. It's like, it was I don't like know who wanted to see that, body though. museum in his house? Huh? So it was like a museum of, like, body parts in his house. <laughs> yeah. And even retaining parts for consumption, meaning he kept some of the body parts so he can eat them. Mm-hmm. During this period, Dahmer was arrested... For an incident at his job at the at the chocolate factory, where he drugged and sexually fold he sexually assaulted a thirteen year old boy. So he drugged he drugged he drugged a thirteen year old and had sex with him. Did he know he was He was drugged. Oh. Okay, that's for this, he was given a sentence of five years probation. Okay, so they're, like, just giving this man probation and, like, he's not, not even putting him in jail. No. Mm-mm. That's... One year, one year at a work release camp and was required to register as a sex offender. So that's the only thing that they ever did to him after just he did that. register him as a sex offender but didn't give him time. Mm-mm. He was released two months early from the work program and and moved into a Milwaukee apartment in May of 1990. 
There, despite regular appointments with his probation officer, he will remain free to commit four murders that year and eight more in 1991. Dahmer began killing around one person each week by the summer of 1991. He, be he became obsessed with the idea that he could turn his victims he can turn his victims into zombies to act as youthful and, and sexual partners. So he got their dead bodies and then... Experimented on he, them, basically. I mean, yeah, but he also did like a show with them acting like zombies so then he can have sex with them. <laughs> Why are you laughing? That's wrong. It's not I mean, funny. yes, it's wrong, but I just think it's weird. Yeah, because like, what's going on through that man's mind to just be like, okay, I'm gonna kill this man and like turn him into a zombie. <laughs> and he gets with them. He used many techniques such as drilling holes in their skulls and injecting acid or boiling water into their brains. Soon neighbors began to complain about strange noises and awful smells coming from Dahmer's apartment. First of all, if that was me, I would have moved out immediately. I would have been moved out. Yeah. It's like, I it's like I'm hearing these noises. And like, okay, I watch a lot of documentaries, okay? okay I'm scared of the world. Mm -hmm. So if I'm hearing these noises and these smells, I'm like, yeah, I have to go. I'm not going to be the next victim. And the excuse that he gave to the neighbors when they kept on asking, what is that smell? They were like, uh, Jeffrey Dunn was like, oh, my family brought some raw meat, but my refrigerator broke. Or my fish died. It's like, Let's be why sure. are they always giving you meat? And then one of the neighbors suspected that something was happening. She was like, something ain't right about wait, this. Wait, so does, wait, when a fish dies, does it even have a smell? Like a awful, like, horrid smell? When you die, yeah. A fish? <laughs> a fish. A fish. I mean, I don't know, maybe. Like, like, okay, it might get a smell, but like, would like the whole apartment I mean, Yeah, it, would, it wouldn't smell that bad that it would stink up the whole entire apartment. So they realized that something was up. Yeah. Because that was his excuse the whole entire time. On one occasion, he... So, and on one occasion, he brought a victim into, into like, his house. Mm -hmm. But then... The boy managed, he was like a 14-year-old boy. Yes. He managed to get out, but then he couldn't walk because he was, like, drugged. So then one of the neighbors was like, what's wrong? Why are you, why are you like, acting are you like okay? this? So then, so then they called the police. And then, like, you know, Jeffrey Dahmer came out and was like, oh, my gosh, what's happening? And like, he was um, like, where are you oh, no. oh, no, this is just my intoxicated boyfriend. And then the, and then the woman's like, Nah, that's this man is way too young to be your boyfriend. Are you a pedophile? Mm -hmm. He's like, he's my boyfriend. He was drugged. So then the officers, you know, they made a background check, but they they failed to, you know, they failed Safe. to find anything because yeah. they didn't want to, you know, go in there. But then they revealed that Dahmer was a sex offender, allowing him to nearly escape his fate for a while. But on July 22nd, on, in 1991, Dahmer lured Tracy Edwards into his home with the promise for, of cash in exchange for his company. Well inside, Edward was then forced into the bedroom by Dahmer with a butcher's knife. Hmm? During a butcher's knife. Like, they, uh, like a knife yeah, that you see, would I know that yeah. like During the... During the during the struggle, Edwards was able to get free and escape out into the streets, where he flagged down a police car. 
When the police arrived at Dahmer's apartment, Edwards alerted them to, to with the knife. Sorry, Edward. Edward alerted them. The knife was in the it was in his bedroom. Upon entering the bedroom, the officers found the pictures of the dead bodies and dismembered limbs that allowed them to finally place Dahmer under arrest. For their investigation of the home led to, led to them to find a severed head in the refrigerator, three Ew. more severed heads throughout the apartment, multiple photographs of the victims, and more human remains in the refrigerator. This man had a freaking heart in his refrigerator. That's a human heart. A total of seven skulls were found in his apartment, as well as a human heart in the freezer. An altar, hear this, an altar was also constructed with candles and human skulls in his closet. This man had a cop in his... Was he a Satanist? No, he, he, he claimed he, he was a Christian, but then he turned away from it. You need to listen to the end because it goes crazy afterwards. Okay. So after he after all of that was found, he was taken into custody. Dahmer confessed and began and, and began describing the the details of his crime to the authorities. Dahmer was indicted on 15 murder charges, and the trial began on January 30th, 1992. Even though the evidence against him was overwhelming, overwhelming. Dahmer pleaded ins- insanity as his defense due to the natural of his incredibly disturbing and uncomfortable impulses. Following two weeks of the murder of the child, the court declared him a sane and guilty on 15 counts of murder. He was sentenced to 15 life terms for a total of 957 years in prison. Damn. He deserved it. In in May of the same year, he entered a guilty plea for the murder of his first victim, Stephen Hicks, and received an an additional life sentence. I mean, this is this is the part that confuses me. Like these trial cases, they be like extremely confusing. Like 957 years in prison, you're not gonna live that long. So what are they? So what are they gonna do? Be reasonable with it. Okay, so life in prison Mm -hmm. is 25 years. And if you could parole, that's whatever. So, basically, it depends. So, how many? How long was he in jail for? He 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 was sentenced to nine hundred fifty-seven years in prison. Okay, so basically, they are um, they gave him multiple lives to prison. Mm-hmm. So they just added that up. So they probably gave him like eighty-three lives in prison. I mean, at the end, it was it wasn't going to make any sense because yeah. because he died. Oh, okay. <laughs> so he's he served in a prison, and during his time in prison, Dahmer expressed remorse for his actions and wished for his own death. He also he also read the Bible and declared himself a born again Christian. So he killed seventy people, and then he said, "Oh, I feel bad. I'm a Christian now because I feel bad." And then he was ready for his final judgment. He was attacked twice by a fellow inmate of the first attempt to slice his neck open, leaving him only with superficial wounds. 
However, he was attacked a second time on November 28, 1994 by an inmate as they cleaned out one of the prison, prison showers. Dahmer was found still alive but died on the way to the hospital from severe head trauma. What is your thought? I don't know. Okay, so, basically, him dying, yeah, whoever kills him, <laughs> I love him. That's the guy. Oh, first, I wanted to mention that, uh, like, most of the people that he killed were men, and most of the men were black. So he killed mostly black oh, so he men. Like dark meat. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think that's crazy. I don't know. But I just, then, but like, then, what goes through people's mind when they do this? But then somebody told me that he's not racist because he got his black card, because you know he wasn't racist towards killing them because he blocked black people or something. So he attracted to um, African, well, colored male. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know. I always be thinking about that stuff. Like when you kill a person, what do you? What goes through your mind? Like, oh, this is fun. Let me do it again. Like, yeah. Like, what even makes someone even think about something like that? I mean, a lot of people say that the way you figure out if somebody's getting me, uh, if somebody's gonna be a murderer, mm-hmm. like during their childhood, they're gonna like they're gonna dissect animals and stuff like that, and that's like how you know if somebody's gonna be a murderer, and that's what Jeffrey Dahmer did. Like he and his dad went on the road, he found roadkill, and then t- took it back to his house, and then started cutting the animals. He even ate some of the intestines. Which I personally think it's it, it's weird, and this was the story of Jeffrey Dahmer, weird man. Uh, a lot of people are happy that he's dead, but we're moving on from that, and we're gonna go to the second part of the first segment. Start the second part of the first segment with Diana telling her story, her murder story. Okay, okay, so. Okay, so today we'll be talking about Elizabeth Olton. Elizabeth Olton was born December 15, 1999. Born in Jefferson, Missouri, she lived slash grew up with her mother Patty, brother Anthony, and sister Stephanie. A few, few years later in her life, um, her and her family moved to St. Martin, Missouri. So St. Martin was a small town. So, you know, everybody knew each other. They had a, at that time, they had a population only about 1,040. So, you know, everybody knew each other. Um, friends and family were really close, you know. So people said, um, close people to Elizabeth said, Elizabeth was a very shy person. But when you got to know her, she was, you know, really kind and joyful. She was really intelligent. Um, Elizabeth loved to sing and dance. Her favorite singers were Hannah Montana, yeah, and Taylor Swift. Also, Elizabeth was also in a couple plays at school. So, you know, she was you know, a normal kid, you know. She liked music, her favorite color was pink. You know, she was actually really girly. Um, her mother, Patty, said when she was nine, she would walk around in like a big ball gown, like Cinderella dresses. Like she was going out somewhere, but like she was walking around the house. Elizabeth had a neighborhood friend named Emma Bostamante. Bostamante. Emma lived with her grandmother Karen, grandfather Gary, two twin brothers, and her 15-year-old sister Alyssa. So one day, Elizabeth comes home from school and goes to her room. She does her homework and then practices for a play. Her mother is 
um, Patty, her mother Patty, is in the kitchen getting dinner prepared when she got a knock on the door from the neighbor, Emma. Emma had asked Patty if Elizabeth could come play since she had not, since Patty was making dinner at the time and dinner was almost done and she wanted um, Elizabeth to eat, she told Emma no. But you know, as little kids, you know how you are, you, you beg. So, um, Patty, I mean, um, Emma and Elizabeth are begging their mother. So Patty um, lets her go, but only for an hour, because this was around October. So, you know, around October, you know, it gets dark easily, mm -hmm. and it was five o'clock at the time, so she had to be home by six. Later on that day, around six to seven p.m., Elizabeth isn't home yet, and Elizabeth wasn't the type of person to wander or not follow the directions, and she was also scared of the dark. So, Patty calls um, Emma's house, hoping Emma, Elizabeth, or her grandmother answers. Emma, grandma, Emma's grandmother, Karen, answers. So, Patty asks, you know, if Elizabeth can't come home and if she's there. Then Karen tells um, Elizabeth's mother that she never came, and Emma's actually upstairs. So, Patty quickly um, panics. And calls the police. She's calling the police, telling them her child's missing. You but know. isn't there like a rule saying like you can't call the police until like 48 hours passed? Yeah. Okay. But it was a small town, so oh. police um, got there actually really quickly. So, um, just a quick note: Emma and Elizabeth lived near a wooden area so they used they used to play in the woods in the back of their house personally um i wouldn't play in the woods that's a little weird but okay that's them um so they call the police police come quickly and police and firefighters are searching through the woods for this young girl um hours later they didn't find anything so words spread around quickly and people around the town come start a search group and are searching for them so after their searching, they didn't find anything. So Patty actually calls Emma's cell phone and it rings, but it goes to voicemail. So they're ringing and ringing, not, no one's answering. The police actually ping, that means tr like track the phone. And it was deep in the woods. So in their head, they're like, how does a nine-year-old girl get that far in the woods in a short amount of time? So they're looking, they're searching, and they don't find anything. So Elizabeth's phone eventually dies, but police were luck luckily got um, the phone company for her phone records to see the last person she like, spoke to. So a the last person she was on the phone with was a call from Alyssa, Emma's 15-year-old sister, and it wasn't a short, it wasn't like a too long call or a short call. So no one really knew what was said, but that was the last person. So the next day, um, police questioned Emma. So Emma was only six years old. So they couldn't really get interrogators on her, detectives. So they got a child's counselor that was a professional to speak to her, you know, just to get some information out of Emma. So at first, Emma says she saw Elizabeth go back home um, towards the house. But then her story um, shortly switched up. She said Emma, Elizabeth, 
got had got stuck in a thorn bush so she called her sister Alyssa over to help her people said Alyssa would always spend her time in the woods no matter the weather it could be raining sunny no matter the weather she was in the woods mm-hmm. and they also said Emma I mean Alyssa knew the woods like the back of her head she was always there she knew everywhere so Emma says she had pointed out blood on Alyssa's pants Alyssa says that she was on her period and tells Emma not to tell anyone. So, um, as a little sister, listening to your big sister, you know, that was the thing. So she didn't tell anyone. She just brushed it off and said, okay. So, at the time, Emma's family didn't really think of the disappearance any much. They thought, you know, she just missed, like, walk somewhere and they found her already. So, Emma's family um, went to church that day. So the next um, the next day, they're searching through the woods and they find two great two um, dig graves in the woods. So they're like, "Oh my God, what is this?" They question Alyssa, and Alyssa says she has nothing to do with this. She didn't know. She didn't see her. Um, so they they bring Alyssa to the grave, and um, Alyssa says that yes i dig them but they were not for her i dig um dead animals and bury them i don't think that's something a 15 year old girl would do so you know the fei was like really like suspicious so they had searched her room and what they found in her room was like just horrid there was writing on the walls and um fbi detectives uh said they thought in description there was blood written notes but um so every Jeffrey Dahmer style yeah <laughs> and they found a drawing with Emma her little sister labeled on it of a little girl with slashes on her head and arms with blood yes so at first they didn't find anything just involved with um Elizabeth they found everything else but not Elizabeth but you know they still thought it was weird to see a 15 year old girl they thought it was really weird for a 15 year old girl or just weird for anyone. So they find a diary and they take it in for investigation. Going through the diary, um, it was some weird um, entries talking about killing and everything, but they didn't find anything with Elizabeth. Until the last, the last entry that was on October 21st, when Elizabeth, the day Elizabeth went missing, um, it was scribbled in all pen so all they could find the all they could um like read out it was because it was scribbled in the pen was um i gotta go to church now low lol so they put it in put black ink all over it um to find out what it says and um questioning after that they questioned elizabeth i mean Alyssa, and they're She's still saying they couldn't find anything. Da da da. So when they finally find out what it says, it quotes. Hold on, hold on. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh. Well, actually, let's do a backstory on Alyssa. Alyssa was born. Oh my gosh! I just like lost my page. You lost it? Yes, I lost my page. 
Okay, so Alyssa was born in 1944, and she had, like, um, a really traumatic childhood. Mm-hmm. Her mother and father were really um, substance abusers from alcohol, marijuana, you know, just drugs. Mm-hmm. So her family would move a lot, and they even were homeless at sometimes. So their grandparents were actually really worried about them. So they had, they used to send Alyssa and her family things like food, clothes, you know, just some for you know they could live a decent childhood. So, eventually, the grandparents took Alyssa and her three siblings in. They're twin brothers and Emma. They took them in um, to custody, but they say that um, Emma, um, Elizabeth, took anti-depression pills. So, because in 2007, she tried to kill herself. She slashed, she carved the word hate in her arm. So after this, you know, she spent a sight ward for 10 days and left. So, you know, Emma was, um, I mean, Alyssa was more of a, um, how do you say? She had more of an edgy style, you know, mm-hmm. she had like her hair over her eye. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, basic emo. Emo, emo. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, so, um, they actually had found well, yeah. So Alyssa had like a really traumatic childhood, mm-hmm. um, but she was really normal in school. Nothing too crazy. Yeah. So it was. She was a normal kid. Yeah. Um. Then when they actually found out what Emma had said, um, she has said, "I just fucking killed someone. I don't know how to feel about this, but." <laughs> Wait, the sister? No, no, Alyssa. Wait, no, Emma. Um, Alyssa. Uh-huh. In the journey journal entry I told you about, where it was scribbled through. And hold on. Yeah. So, um, they took black ink. So, black, the black ink, like, um, for they could go over the black, I mean, the mm-hmm. blue pen to see what she was. You know, she scribbled. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If I could just find what they said, what she said, because it was actually really long, and I had to quote it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. okay. So the journal she says, "I just fucking killed someone. I strangled them and slit their throat. Now they're dead. I don't know how to feel at the moment. It was amazing. After you get over the oh my god, I can't do this feeling, it's pretty enjoyable." I'm kind of nervous. Wait, wait, wait. I just wanted to say, like, when we were talking about Jeffrey Dahmer, we were like, what what the hell is going on in their head? And I'm assuming that's exactly what they were thinking. Like, oh, this feels good to kill mm-hmm. someone. Like, th- these people are crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm thinking that. Okay, it says, I don't know how to feel at the moment. It was amazing. After you get over the, oh my God, I can't do this feeling, it's pretty enjoyable. I'm kind of nervous and shaky right now, though. Okay, gotta go to church now. LOL. So, like, Reading this from like a 15 year old girl, you're like, what? What is going on in this child's mind? It, that No, that is weird. Like you're 15 years old and you're, you're saying, I killed someone, that was enjoyable. I like it, I might do it again. And that's that's honestly weird. I, I honestly think that was weird. 
and because we're running out of time and I really want to continue this story, we might have to do a part two coming out tomorrow. And I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and stay tuned for part two of this episode. See you guys soon.